Welcome to another episode of the Kudurians Talks. We are talking about women in technology and I am joined by... Hi, I'm Natalie Bray from Coherence, Client and Partner Engagement Lead. Hey, I'm Amelia Bampton. I'm the Regional Director for the Manchester office with Coherence. Hi, and I'm Emily. I work in People Ops and Recruitment in the Barcelona office at Coherence. Yes, and tonight I'm your host, Solange, Craftswoman at Coherence. Let's start off with your respective careers. Um, could you share with the audience what your background is before joining Kudurians? Sure. So I've had a varied career. Um, before I joined Kudurians back in April 2020, I ran business development at VoxGig, which is an event tech startup. Um, I learned a lot about running a startup and how agile dev teams and projects work. And before that, I spent 10 years as a tech events company called Skills Matter. Um, but during my working life, I've also had two children and I took a three-year sabbatical by running a successful guest house in Andalusia in Spain. So yeah, it's been pretty varied, but fun. And I've learned a lot along the way. Nice. What about you, Amelia? Yeah, mine's a little bit more basic. That was quite a tough act to follow. I've worked in tech my whole career and I feel very boring now. Um, yeah, so I've worked in tech in different forms for the last 16 years. I kind of found my career in tech after my um, two degrees and I, they were kind of very heavily weighted on the business emphasis on how tech was enabling business going forward. And I just loved that concept. And I started as a business analyst back in the early noughties, worked across a number of kind of key consultancies in the UK, spent a proportion of my career working in-house, uh, worked for Vodafone for seven years. So that was a big proportion of my career, which is where I found many different roles, moving from a business analyst to project manager to portfolio manager, and then kind of went back to consulting in the last few years as a delivery manager, um, which led me on the path to my role as regional director now with Cojurance, which I've moved into this year, which is kind of harnessing all the key areas and skills that I, I kind of have taken across that journey um, and putting them into practice in a, in a much wider role. Oh, thank you. Um, Emily. Um, I actually studied international business management. It was a very general kind of uh, degree and uh, with a focus on innovation and entrepreneurship. And then I kind of got into recruitment by chance, like most recruiters, I think. I started working in an agency and I rapidly started focusing on tech profiles. Um, and I kind of discovered a whole new world like in technology. And that's something I really liked. Um, and so I worked in that agency for a few years. And then I got, by chance again, I got into a gaming company. And that was like uh, another amazing experience also very tech oriented um, and yeah and I started doing a few more things than just recruitment and now I'm at Codurance and still in tech still loving it and uh, yeah so what would you say was the miss maybe the big factor or maybe it was a person who influenced you in pursuing your career in technology in the tech industry in particular yeah for me um I think probably more recently, it's not so much somebody that's um, 
kind of influenced me, but certainly somebody who um, taught me to take risks and um, sort of, you know, put myself outside of my comfort zone was um, my old boss at the tech startup, um, a guy called Richard Roger, who um, is a sort of tech entrepreneur. And um, we were a really, really small team. Um, and I mean, I was taken on to run business development, but really, you know, he would say, you know, I know you're doing business development, but we're a really small team. I'm going off to America for a few months. Can you just run the dev team while I'm away? And I was just like, what? <laughs> That's crazy. But he just had complete faith in me. And I think um, it just really sort of taught me just to kind of, you know, learn, you know, it's kind of learn as you go along. And, um, you know, I learned so much from that experience that, you know, te- the technology industry is just, you know, to just throw yourself in and, you know, learn and improve as you as you go. And you'll never, you know, you never start as the perfect kind of article, but, you know, just just try things and um, and be fearless. So I think you know, that, that that kind of experience for me really helped me, um, you know, understand about, you know, how agile projects work. And it kind of, I think that experience has sort of helped me to eventually, um, you know, now have this uh, great job I have at, at Coduance. So that's, that's kind of really inspired me. Yeah. Anyone else would like to jump in? Yeah, I think... Um... I, th- I think it's hard. I, I, I struggle to pinpoint like one particular person. I do feel quite lucky that I've been blessed across my career with just working alongside so many really inspiring people. And I suppose, to be honest, I kind of found my career in tech and, and not to be overly gushing, but I, I did love it from day one. So there was no one kind of pushing me in that direction. I fell into it. And then, bar, you know, the odd, very troublesome, you know, go live that we all are kind of well aware of, you know, I've loved pretty much every day. But I I think, you know, especially at the start of my career, it was very male dominated. All my managers were male, everyone I was working with was male. But I think the one thing I take away with regard to this question is, you know, I got put in some, some really great positions, had some great opportunities. And each one of my managers always believed in me. Um, I was always given a lot of encouragement to kind of just be myself and continue doing what I was doing that really always put me on the springboard and the platform to kind of learn more, do more and continue to progress my career. So, yeah, just that constant, I think, encouragement from your from your, you know, sometimes your your peers and sometimes your managers just letting, you know, getting that reinsurance that you're in the right place and you're doing the right thing is highly valuable than I'd say from one particular person. I just, I do feel very lucky with all the great people I've, I've worked with across across the different roles I've had. I think I'm more like Amelia in that sense. Uh, I don't really have, I can't really think of any specific moment or any specific person who really inspired me in that, in that direction, I'd say. Um, I know like I had, I started having like IT classes when we were in high school or like secondary school. And I remember like, I was kind of like IT support at home. Um, because I liked to kind of understand how the computer was working and everything. So it wasn't really development or anything, but I, I just liked playing with it and everything. And um, then I kind of forgot about it. And then when I was interviewing candidates, actually, it was like on a regular basis, on a daily basis, actually, I was speaking to people who were so interested and interesting and passionate. Um, it just kind of contaminated me. And I was like, I really decided to continue on that path. And I mean, still today, every time I speak with candidates and with colleagues and um and people in general, like they're so passionate, and they, they just, they just really manage to um, pass this on. And 
And as Amelia was saying as well, respect, I think, and encouragement is something that was very uh, defining as well to continue because tech is an industry where it can be very professional, but it can always, it can also actually be not so formal, like compared to banking or like more traditional industries. And that is something that I really enjoyed because I feel like I can do a better job if I'm being myself, really. And as Amelia was saying, that's what she was encouraged to to do it i think i think the three of you are probably a bit younger than me and i think when i certainly when i started my career in the 90s there was there weren't really that many kind of you know inspiring female role models in the tech industry like there are in more recent years and um so i think that probably did hold me back in my career at the beginning and um you know for the the, the kind of you know the encouragement and support that that you've all had i don't think i necessarily had that same sort of level it back in you know 20 kind of like 20 years ago now longer than that um and I think you know looking at today's sort of tech industry it's a very different place and there's just so many really really inspiring women now in in tech who are just you know really open with their very generous with their time and support to help other you know women wanting to come through and um you know and helping them be mentored and, and gain those skills to to help them progress their careers so I think there's a lot, there's definitely, it's really, really encouraging. Um, and yeah, I'm quite jealous of Amelia and Emily's um, <laughs> kind of career trajectory. And, uh, you know, it would have been great to have had that. But um, yeah, when I started in the tech industry, it was a very, very different place than it, than it is today. It's not perfect today, but it's definitely very, very different today, I'd say. Yeah. So you talked about representation, you know, being able to see um, or have female role models in joining this industry. So, um, you know, uh, this is something that I noticed as well when I started my studies. Um, there were so few women in, in engineering, and um, but I never really stopped to think about why there are so few women and would that make a difference if I could see someone who looks like me in these studies or in these roles and, and things like that. Um, so are there any particular things they look for? Because I asked this uh, to Aurelia the other day, are there clues they look for before joining a company or, you know, in terms of representation? No. I'd say definitely. Um, I think companies that, um, you know, have, very um, clearly defined policy around um, sort of equity, diversion and inclusion in the companies, um, making sure their job adverts talk about, um, you know, career opportunities and how they support um, sort of people from different backgrounds into into the company. Um, and yeah, I would I think, you know, people from underrepresented minority groups would definitely look at, um, you know, a company's sort of website and and work out whether they think that's the kind of company that they would like to work for. And, and as you say, has people that look like them working there. So it's it's really, really important and then becoming ever more so, I would say. I think there's an element as well. And sometimes like, you know, companies are still on a journey with that. Um, I think there's an element of having that discussion when, when you are interviewing with a company. So sometimes if you can't see it on the website, the company, you know, but even getting the indicators from the conversations you're having during the interview that, you know, they would love and, you know, and appreciate more diverse 
views and people to be part of the company so they can continue to grow and learn from that is, is a really key indicator that they're open um, to kind of widening and, and having a more inclusive company that sometimes even if the company is not there, you can help them kind of move forward on their journey as well. And I think that that's highly valuable. Um, and, and sometimes it's having the confidence to know that you can influence that change as well as an individual. But, um, yeah, I think knowing that a company is on that path and they would like you to be part of the journey is also really valuable as well. Um, but I think to the discussion we were having before, I think it's so interesting to Natalie's point about the change in the last 20 years. And I just think, isn't that amazing? I know we've, we're still on it and a journey in that, in that sense as well. But when I, I look back to the start of my career, you know, I was, I was in very, you know, I was the only female on the team for many, many, many years. And I just accepted that as the norm. But when I think of the last few years in my career, I'm surrounded by absolutely amazing uh, women in all different roles. And I, I, even I can reflect and see the change that the industry has had. And um, it's great. It's great to get the chance and have these kind of conversations where you get the opportunity to reflect and see the change. Uh, and hopefully, you know, in the next 20 years, see a further change as well. So I, I think it's quite amazing. It is, it's a good place to be. Yeah. Um, Emily, are there any particular things that you look at before joining a company, for example, in terms of representation? For me, not specifically. I, 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 I'm thinking now, I don't even think I ever thought about it. I'm repeating the word thinking like a lot, but um, I actually never really stopped and asked myself if there were any women in the roles. It's true that I work in the tech industry, but I'm not like really in a tech role. Um, and I never really thought about it because for me, it was... I don't really need an example, let's say it's, well, if there isn't anyone, I can be the example for the next ones, for example. I don't want, I don't want it to sound like very cocky or anything like this, but um, it was like, I wasn't afraid of like being the only one or being the first one. And I think as the, as the ladies were saying, like in the, in the podcast here, it's something that's ongoing. It's something that's started like many, many years ago, and it's still going to take a few more years, I think. So um, we're part of the movement and we can't always count on others to drive it. So I'm happy to kind of, take a step in and, and be the first one and maybe if I can inspire some of the next ones. Yeah. So building on that, what do you think we should do as individuals, but also as organizations um, to inspire more women, more girls into this, you know, industry? Yeah. For, for, I mean, it can happen at all, all levels of the, the pipeline as it were, but um there's a, a situation happened that I was um, a few years ago when my son was looking around secondary schools um, and I went, it was a mixed secondary school, we went to look around and we went to have a look at a computer science GCSE class and we counted 28 kids there learning GCSE computer science and only two were female. And then we went next door to the photography and art class, I think it was, and it was the exact opposite. So it was all girls and a couple of boys. And, you know, this was only maybe three or four years ago. So there clearly is still a huge problem with it's getting a huge number of girls to learn these STEM subjects. And obviously, there are tons and tons of initiatives now to drive more girls into learning these, um, you know, technology-based subjects. But I honestly think that it needs to happen way, way, way before they choose their GCSEs options, because by then it clearly... It's too late. And for some reason, we're just not engaging 
girls enough in these sort of um, scientific and computing and technology-based subjects early enough. So probably it has to happen in, you know, primary school when they're still very young. Um, and I do also think that, um, you know, t- digital skills, technology skills should really, personally, I think they should be a compulsory subject like maths, English and science, really. Um, you know, digital skills are so important and it's still a GCSE option. You don't have to do it as, you know, whereas, you know, there's millions and millions of open roles um, and it's such a great career path for for so many people. So I think um, focusing on school is really important. And then just, you know, for any female that works in the tech industry, just try and get involved. There's so, so many different community initiatives now to drive more um, women in tech it's it's everywhere so I'd just say if, if you're at all interested then just you know maybe there's an organization that I support called the Tech Talent Charter but again there's just hundreds and hundreds of great initiatives so um, just do what you can I guess to um, to spread the word and bang the drum and and try and be part of the solution. Yeah, I think I think you've answered that absolutely perfectly. To be honest, Natalie, you've said everything I was going to say when I. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I know, I know, but I love it because then there's obviously there's something there. There's a trend. There's you know, if you and I are both seeing it. For me, I was like thinking, you know, about the question, and it did strike me that a lot is being done. It's it, it's it's everywhere, but I think it's from university upwards. It's a university into the professional and the workplaces. We're seeing this big push around women into the STEM subjects and and, and you know women in tech, in particular to the industry we're in, which is fantastic. But I think it's you're talking to almost. Um, you know the converted so to so to speak I think you need to get in a, a, more of that school that school age I, I you know and, and that example you gave just is totally perfect about the still the imbalance in people uh, and, and females wanting to get more involved in these subjects at school so how can we encourage it more with that school age you know and I loved what you said about primary you know you, you, this you know kids are so innocent at the minute my six-year-old is becoming an astronaut and that's fantastic and I don't want to deter her from that I mean I do try and encourage her to do more maths on the basis if she wants to be an astronaut but that's great because they're so unfiltered by society and they're so innocent and pure in their thoughts and you think god that's amazing but something happens you know between that primary into high school age where you know people just I don't know they they fall into different kind of um comfortable place with their learning and and where they think their career is going to go I mean I didn't know I was going to get a career in tech at high school and I you know I didn't take IT and I love the way that my kind of life has led me back into this industry but I I think there's something in there with what you say about you know making more digital skills mandatory you know whether people to take choose to take them forward or not is up to them but at least you know introduce people more to them so people have got a bit of um, a better context when they decide the what next uh, in their career into college and the rest so yeah I mean, that was a really long way to say echo all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably quite standard for me. But yes, yeah, I love that. I think you've really got a point there. I don't really have much to add, ladies. You've really said it all, I think. Um, I can maybe share like an anecdote. I was in an event once and um, I was speaking to the CEO of a, of a tech startup and he had about, I think he said about 30, maybe 40 
um, employees in total, and there was one woman. And um, he told us about a story um, because he was actually talking about what kind of um, efforts he was uh, putting in place in his company to kind of promote diversity and inclusion and um, and to give more visibility to women in tech because I think it's all about communicating and giving more visibility so that girls even think that it is an option um, because if they only see men, they might not really consider it or they might become biased over time uh, just because they always see the same things. And so he was telling us that he was at a family dinner and um, with his wife and his wife's sisters and it was like a very female um, dominant, dominated uh, family kind of thing. And one of the women there um, was on her period and she came and she asked if anyone had anything like a tampon or anything. And that's when he had one of those aha moments and he was like, what if the only woman in my company has a problem one day and she needs to ask someone, who would she turn to at the office? Because there's literally no one who could help her. And that from that moment on, he started like thinking about how he could change things. And the first thing he did after that dinner, he said, was that he went to um, a store and, and got some of those toys or like some of those, um, I think like they're little robots and it's kind of like to learn how to program the very basics of coding and you kind of program your own robot. And then there's a few other little games that are like for very young children, even before primary school maybe. And he was like, okay, I wanted my daughters because he has two daughters. And he was like, I wanted my daughters to really be exposed to it as soon as possible. And and then he started putting in place different things to kind of like help the only woman at his office and, and also try to recruit more women as well. Um, so as you said earlier, I think it's about giving visibility and yeah, starting very early um, and showing them that it, it is an option and, uh, and that there are a lot of women out there. Yeah. What one thing I've been wondering about is, you know, looking at the history, especially in computer programming, um, at the beginning, mostly, most computer programmers were women. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and then suddenly, each well, suddenly, maybe not suddenly, but it changed over time. Mm. And then it became a, a male-dominated uh, industry. Yeah. And I, I've always wondered what happened. How did we go from that to... <laughs> to the situation we see now i actually um i watched an interesting um uh, video about this and they were saying that um one of the big i think it was like in the sort of the late 60s 70s maybe um so you're right it went you know back back in sort of the 50s 60s 70s it was almost 50 50 female to male um in computer programming and they were saying that um, in the US, over in sort of Silicon Valley, and I think it was like the 70s or 80s, they started to, um, there was a lot of um, sort of excitement around um, certain new technologies. And um, they were wanted, they were so excited about all these kind of new, exciting things they were building. They started to work, wanting to work on these projects 24 hours a day. So they never would go home. They'd work at the weekends. They'd literally just be, you know, in somebody's kind of garage, um, or they just stay in the office, literally working, working, working 24 hours a day. And obviously, women generally, they you know had caring responsibilities, they had kids, they couldn't stay working 24-7 in this kind of same culture. And over time, what happened was the women programmers started to get kind of edged out because one, you know, it was a very macho kind of bro culture. And secondly, because they had kids to go home and look after, they couldn't spend the same amount of time on these projects as their male counterparts. And, and slowly over the years, they got kind of edged out of those projects. And so the number of women started to reduce. 
and uh, and then that kind of whole kind of bro culture where everybody you know which is I guess it still probably pervades today um on on you know in, in California that it's just you know people just working on these crazy projects 24 7 um and that's that's um I think that's probably you know maybe that is you know what happened but um that was I just thought it sounded it was really interesting to hear about that You know, well, now we know that this is a very male-dominated industry, um, and you, you've been working in this industry for long. Um, what what kind of challenges have you faced being women? Yeah, so for me, I'd say now it's very different, and um, you know, Coherence is a really, really um, inclusive company. I don't really personally. Well, the only thing I suppose I face now is the fact that I go to many meetings and I'm still often the only woman in the room. But everybody is very kind of polite and inclusive, so it doesn't doesn't really bother me. But it's just um, you know when I have external meetings, it's often all men and me. Um, but in earlier in my career, I worked in a um, tech events company, and there was a kind of real rock star kind of culture. So we would fly in very famous um, sort of software engineering gurus into London, and they would give a keynote at an event. Um, they would be, um, you know, they'd have kind of crowds of other software engineers, you know, trying to get their autograph and speak to these kind of rock stars. And then they'd go off in the evening and socialize. There'd be lots of free drink, you know, very alcohol fueled. Um, I knew of um, people going out all night on, you know, long kind of drinking sessions. And then in the morning, they'd come and stand on stage with a beer to carry on giving a talk. And it was just a very male, macho dominated world that I worked in um so you kind of always felt a bit of an outsider really you know I was never really part of that obviously that kind of very male bro culture that pervaded um in those days and then I also um throughout my career I've always worked but I had kids so um you know trying to work part-time and never really um feeling like you know you would be able to progress your career because you have to um you know come in work really really hard but have to leave um, so you're not part of those conversations, um, you know, when you're not there full time, like your male colleagues can be. So I definitely think, um, you know, in the past, having kids has definitely held back my career opportunities um, because at the time it was, you know, everybody worked full time. Working part time wasn't really seen as a, you know, viable kind of career option. So, um, yeah, that's that's definitely in the past has um I've, I've kind of had those experiences. And how did you cope? How did I cope? Well, yeah. Yeah, I really love my kids and I guess I put my family before my career at that time. I could have, you know, I could have just uh, thought, oh, I just, you know, get lots and lots of childcare, which I had, you know, I did have obviously support when I was at work from childcare providers, but um, you just cope by thinking, my kids will grow up one day and then I'll be able to dedicate more of my time to my career. But you do have to, I think it is harder for women because you do have to make those choices about, you know, a work-life balance. And it is, it is really difficult because you have, you're guilty when you're at work because you feel like you should be spending more time with your kids because you can't take them to their dance lessons, swimming lessons or whatever. And then you feel guilty um, the other way around as well. When you're at work, you should be uh, at home with your kids. And when you're not with your kids, you feel guilty about not being able to take them. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. Do you see a difference between when you 
started and now in terms of how um, organizations support, you know, parents, for example, in the workplace? A hundred percent, definitely. Yeah, I think it's probably still not perfect um, in general, but yeah, there's definitely a bigger understanding now. I think probably um, COVID, although COVID's obviously been absolutely terrible for so many reasons, I think it does has made a lot of companies reevaluate, you know, remote working and realised that as long as the work's getting done and you're still productive, then you know, being a bit more flexible and allowing people to work from home, if you have the trust there. Then, um, then it's fine, and and I think that's hopefully going to have a long term positive effect on you know people's general lives. I would think. Mm. I think there's, there's so many things that spring to mind. That's quite it's quite a big question, really, because um, my immediate response when I hear the question is, do, do do I ever think my kind of career's been impacted in any way? Um, by being a female in what is now quite a male dominator. From a career progression point of view, I, I would say no. I would say I, I honestly don't feel I've never got an opportunity because I'm a female. I think um, the, the only times if I really think about that answer and think, really, 16 years, you never... It, it, it's more having to prove myself a little bit more. So I've got one example. So I was probably, you know, mid to late twenties, uh, promoted into quite a senior role at the time for, for where I was. Um, it was a new company, new job and quite a senior job for where I was in my career. And I was managing a team of, um, a, a team of all males and one of them had applied for the job. And I think there was an age thing as well, just to throw some else in the mix that I was quite a bit younger than everyone else. And, you know, when I reflect, I, they did give me a heart. I like, I do feel they definitely put me through the, the ringer a little bit and made me earn my stripes in that position. Um, and you know, we probably need a whole different podcast about that, but <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, we come through the other side. It made me a better person in the long term from a manager perspective. And, and, you know, we turned a corner with our team dynamics and it's all about perseverance, I think in that respect, but I do reflect. And even at the time I did think, you know, if I was older and if I was a male, would, would I have had such a hard time kind of getting to that performing stage with this team? Uh, and I don't think I would have. Uh, but that, but that's one of the biggest ones. There's, there's interesting little things you can reflect on. Like I've come back from maternity leave twice into two different companies, into two different positions. One time I went back into a promotion. So again, I never felt like I was hindered because of, um, being a female or, or going off to have kids. But again, did I have to prove myself to the people that had been doing the job in my absence, you know, coming back in and you get the phone call of this from nursery or that from nursery. And, you know, you do have to fly off a bit more in those early years. But um, I think it, it happens if there was any advice I'd give to someone in that those positions and what I think I've learned from them is just be self-assured in yourself, like know your strength, know your ability, know the worth that, that you give to that role. And yes, you know, you might not, it might not be a standard nine to five in some respects while, while you're 
juggling or you've got an extra impact. But sometimes I reflected in the value I gave in the time I was there. Sometimes I thought it was, it was more than what other people were giving who were blindly sat there all the time. Um, so sometimes it's just about knowing the value that you can add in that time. And if you're put in a position, don't let anyone else kind of make you second guess yourself. And, you know, you, um, so, so that's all I, I would kind of reflect and, and say about those kind of experiences. One thing that I've seen a lot as well, I think, is um, confidence and self-confidence. Even before entering the workplace, when you're thinking about applying, um, I've seen and, and read a lot about this as well. Like so many people who won't apply, women who won't apply because they don't they don't tick every single box on the list of requirements. Whereas guys or men would maybe just apply and they don't really care. But with the women will be much more. Um, let me just think about how I can put this. I've seen that a lot of women won't apply because they don't feel like they match the job description 100%. And one thing that we do, and I can talk about it from the recruitment side, the job descriptions are not always exactly the profile that we're looking for. They're the ideal profile, but there are a lot of points that we will be flexible on. And so I see a lot of women blocking themselves, not applying because they're like, oh, well, I'm missing this. Maybe just one thing that the company mentioned, but that they can be flexible about. And then even in interviews, in the way women present themselves or, or talk about their experience, they're less confident maybe. Um, and I'm generalizing, but it is something that I've noticed. Um, and so less confident and maybe sometimes uh, men are wrong and they don't really care about it so much, but women would be much more like conscious or like, oh, so sorry and kind of exaggerating that on that side. And so I think that can affect the perception that other people have of them. Although it doesn't mean that they're less valid or less skilled or less professional. It's just in the way that they're presenting um, completely what they're saying. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um, um, one of the Java champion who's a huge role model for me. Uh, gave me that advice, said that, um, first of all, don't apply to a role where you tick every box because it means you're not going to grow in that role. Not really. So you want to, you want to, apply for the roles where you say, okay, I don't know this, I don't know this, but I'm going to learn, right? And that will help you learning, will help your progression. And it sounded kind of counterintuitive to me, but I thought, well, it does, it does make sense. Um, and also what you said about self-confidence, that's something that I've, I see in, especially in tech roles all the time. You know, we, we fail to speak up because you're not so sure you know, you wanna, you only wanna speak up when you are a hundred percent sure, and you can actually prove what you're saying by with facts and, and and things like that. And yeah, I think it's um, it's something that we need to work on um, uh, as women, definitely. Um, so yeah, moving on a little bit. Um, so we talked about um, what we can. What, sh what should be done to 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 encourage more girls um, in in and women in career in in tech technology careers? Um, what are some of the workplace policies that can be implemented to help with this? Yeah, so I think as we were saying earlier, there's absolutely loads of different initiatives now. You know, you just uh, 
can you know step outside and there's just so many different things to get involved in now which is brilliant um i think in terms of sort of um inclusive culture um at, at companies so looking at things like um sort of shared parental leave um making sure you have a good sort of um you know policy in that respect um we at um Coduance have different sort of um slack channels which kind of turn into little sort of mini communities um so we have one for Coduance parents um we have another for um you know the women in the company and and another kind of um group so you know and lots of tech companies have this now so they have um you know groups of people that kind of get together with shared interests um and it helps you, you know, to feel less isolated and, and alone. So, um, you know, just kind of helping to provide support to people, um, you know, that might need a little bit of extra confidence um, boosting. And there's lots and lots and lots of, um, you know, initiatives and workshops you can attend now to kind of learn confidence um, skills, um, both kind of confidence in your work, but um, I come from a sort of tech events background. So there's some really good initiatives to help more females um, gain confidence to give talks at events, which can be a great way to progress your career. So um, there's there, there's many um, available. I know of one called um, Upfront um, and, and they basically give, it's a sort of six week um, sort of boot camp support and sort of training workshops to give people more confidence um in in the workplace um and then we also have things like sort of mental health and well-being workshops um i think we're going to be we're trialing an app at the moment so um yeah there's there's many <laughs> many to just talk about we could talk about that all night really <laughs> Yeah, I think I, I agree with all of that. And, it, you know, the policies and making sure that even if you've got the policies that when people are actually part of a company, they, they feel part of that company and they feel included um, and taken care of um, and like they're working in a, in a safe place. But I think there's, there's another aspect as well that helps companies along the way. I did some training, um, in a, in a previous role about unconscious bias. So there's, there's almost challenge it and it's so, so interesting. I mean, it's such a big topic, but you know, when you're interviewing people, um, you know, it's how do you check in on yourself, um, that you're not, you know, applying your own filters from your own life into that interview process. Um, and yeah, I mean, the whole, you know, I've been in companies where the whole, whole company has been through that unconscious bias training. And again, it's just helping to make sure that as a company, we are trying to be as inclusive as possible and diverse as possible by helping people recognize there will always be elements of, of bias, you know, in how the life journey you've had yourself, but how do you just be more self-aware of them so that, you know, when you're looking at meeting people and bringing new people into the company, that you can check in that you're helping the company with that diversity by by expanding your own understanding and that kind of thing. So I think that it was just a really interesting topic and area. There's some really interesting um, kind of like um, questions you can run as a, as a group and just check in as to, you know, where your mind naturally goes when you think of certain people in certain positions. And it's really quite insightful when you're self-aware of how your mind naturally falls into who does what role, you know, um, 
when you're interviewing, you can you can be self-aware and just kind of try and check in on those some of those things. So that's another interesting way for a company to kind of support their inclusivity by by recognizing that we need to be more self-aware when we do and bring people into the company. I really like that you brought up the topic, Amelia, because it's absolutely crucial, I think, like training and like, yeah, just raising awareness about certain those certain of those things like um, unconscious biases and things like this. In recruitment, it's really a big deal. Um, and it's true that it's super important, even just being aware that there is a possibility that you're influenced by this. Um, it just kind of helps maybe, maybe not neutralize it completely, but at least you're aware of it and you can kind of like catch yourself and say, oh, I have to check with someone else or like I shouldn't be doing this. And um, it's actually really interesting on the psychological side of things. Um, and I think another thing that um, COVID kind of helped with, um, as uh, Natalie was saying earlier, the flexibility with the schedules and everything. I mean, if you have a kid and your kid could be sick or a lot of unexpected things can happen, it's kind of like, well, I'm not going to compare it to a pet, but I mean, there can be a lot of things that you don't expect. Oh, well, um, you might need like to come in a little bit later at work or take a longer break uh, at lunchtime or in the middle of the day, you have to leave for a bit. And I think it's something that companies are starting to do more now. Um, and it's not just for women. I mean, it's really in general, um, giving more flexibility there so that people can also have a better work-life balance. Um, and as long as the work is being done, um, yeah, it's also that trust and, and respect in general, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Natalie, you mentioned a few of the things that Kudrins has put in place to um, help promote diversity um, the company. You also mentioned the Take Talent Charter. Would you like to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So um, it's a the Tech Talent Charter is a not-for-profit um, government-backed initiative to try and redress the the balance, um, both in the number of um, females and other people from underrepresented minority groups into tech, um, but also to try and address the ever-growing skills gap in in the country um there's literally like i think more than a million jobs open in in tech that are that need to be filled and we simply don't have enough people um coming in to the tech industry to fill those roles and the other and there's another big issue around things like ai and um machine learning that if you just have lots and lots of white middle class men creating all these algorithms then the society that they're actually serving is not going to see the benefit of, of technology. So it's a, you know, these are massive kind of societal issues that um, they're trying to tackle. And the, the Tech Talent Charter um, is headed up by another awesome female in tech, a lady called Debbie Forster, who, um, who yeah, I, I'm really inspired by her, but her team um, are amazing and they have um, an open playbook. So they pull together um, initiatives from all over the UK. Um, so it's kind of a central repository of information about all these amazing initiatives um, and groups that are um, doing lots of different things to drive greater inclusion and diversity in tech. Um, they produce an annual report. So all the signatories of which I think there's over 400 now. So signatories as part of being um, a member of the TTC um, have to provide the um, their sort of diversity data every year. Um, and then they also organize um, lots of events um, throughout the year to, to help um, people on their own sort of journeys to, to drive greater inclusion and diversity. 
So yeah, if anybody's um, you know interested in learning more about how what they can do, then I would say join becoming a signatory is a is a great first step for sure. Yeah, awesome. Um, so you know, around our, around the world, certain countries have um, implemented policies, you know, affirmative action policies um, to possibly to positively support. Um, underrepresented groups in education, in employment. Um, and the, these policies haven't always been very, um, let's say, well, not, not successful, but um, not embraced globally, yes. Uh, what are your personal views on these policies? Do you think they work? Should we support them? So it's such an in- interesting question, Solange. It's, and I'm really conflicted in my own views. Honestly, I'm so conflicted. So I'm not going to give you a definite answer, but I can share my views. Um, and we can see if that sparks a- any further conversation. But for me, I think there's an element of the idealistic view would be you don't need them. The, the right mindset. Um, should enable and, you know, going back to that point about unconscious bias in a perfect world, in a perfect world, you know, there would be, you know, it would be more open, more people would be able to get access to these jobs or to these educational routes um, on on their own accord. And it shouldn't have to be driven by a certain policy because I, I, I can understand the kind of like the the emotion that comes with that having got in on a certain policy like that and I feel that you know everyone should be able to find their right role on their own merit and it would happen naturally if we were in a perfect world and there weren't you know some of these filters and constraints in finding that however the reason I'm conflicted so my my initial view is it would be nice not to have to have them okay but then I think about it and I think, but we're not in a perfect world. Okay. So how are we going to br- bring this change about in across education, um, across the workplace into tech and make it more inclusive? If we don't kind of not enforce is quite a strong word. If we don't bring about and encourage the change, how are we going to ever know the value that the change brings? if that makes sense. So part of me is like, well, if you force a bit of a change, then people can see the benefit of it and it might influence and things happen organically and naturally afterwards. So part of me is like, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not a massive fan, but I can understand some of the rationale for having policies to bring maybe different quotas in around women into certain positions. Um, My idealistic view would be you, you don't need them. Are you talking about kind of positive discrimination in that sense then as well? Well, I think positive discrimination is against the law in many countries, but positive action or um, positive um, or affirmative action. I think there's a a difference between the two where um, um, I I can't quite recall, but um, for... For a certain role, for example, if you have two candidates that have the same, let's say, experience, same skill set, uh, you should not hire one because of their gender or, um, I don't know, ethnic background or something like that. Um, or you shouldn't, um, 
in in this positive discrimination, you shouldn't say that, for example, if you're looking to have 50% women in our company, we are going to still hire people who are not qualified, but just because they're women, just so that we can fill that quota. Um, but yeah, but that, it's 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 in those. Um, Obviously, that you know, it'd be hard not to you know agree with everything you say. However, if you don't give people you know with a slightly less bit of experience that opportunity to be able to progress, then then are they going to? You know, be held back in some respects. It's a, it's a really, it's a really difficult question to answer, and they're probably you know there's there's reasons for both sides. But I think, you know, unless you do give women that opportunity to you know to be able to work up the career ladder, then they might not ever ever get there because of as we talked about earlier, sort of unconscious bias. Um, you know, there's a reason why I think in in boards there's something like one third of all board members of UK tech companies went to Oxford or Cambridge University, whereas the national, it's like less than 10% of people went to Oxford or Cambridge. It's a massive, massive overrepresentation of um, of people in boards. And how would you change that when everybody on those boards or a huge proportion of them, they'll tend to bring in people who look like themselves. So in some ways there is probably a degree of merit to say take on somebody who has slightly less experience coach and mentor them so that they can be the future leaders and then gradually those boards will change you know how they look but it is hard (laughs) i'm glad it wasn't just me (laughs) (laughs) it's a hard question i don't think i have anything to add i know that in recruitment um some companies and and uh, organizations are trying to um, work with blind CVs so that we don't we only have relevant information like I mean information that is relevant for the role so if we're evaluating a profile we won't be looking at where they're from or what gender they are or whatever it's we really just focusing on the skills and the experience and then well um, depending on what you're willing to invest let's say if it's a little bit of a, more, of a more junior role and you're willing to train them and coach them well it won't matter I mean you'll only be looking at the skills and uh, what you're willing to put in, let's say, to make them grow. And um, yeah, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but I don't have anything specific to add at this point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a, there's been a lot of controversies um, around this topic. Um, so I wanted to get your view on this. And um, also sometimes when you're hired in a certain role, for some people, they may experience this self-confidence problem where you or self-doubt, where they wonder, did I get hired because I actually had the skills or the experience, uh, or did I was I hired because um, you know they needed to have fifty people being women in that company, for example. So yeah, um, it's very it is it, it's very difficult, exactly. <laughs> All right, so um, moving on, uh, let's look at um, maybe uh, a few, a few um, an advice you would give someone, uh, a young woman or not necessarily young, but looking to join the tech industry or, or your younger self. You know, what would you tell your younger self uh, about this industry? I think I definitely, 
I mean, I listened to Amelia earlier and I think, God, why wasn't I more confident just to, uh, you know, to speak up a bit more? And I think I, I think I probably would say to my younger self, don't just stay in a job because, you know, they offer you some kind of level of flexibility. And I think that is part of the, you know, I've got a lot of friends um, that also kind of, you know, have stayed in jobs for too long because like, oh, I'm going to be able to find another job because my company allows me to work three days a week. Um, so, you know, be, be, I guess, just be confident and, you know, take opportunities and, and, and make your own kind of opportunities. Just be, just be brave and, um, and speak up a bit more, I'd say to my younger self. I think I was probably too eager just to kind of please the boss and, um, and, you know, and, and I think I probably stayed in some jobs for too long, um, in the past. And I, yeah, just, just be, be brave and, um, and speak up more. I love that. Be brave. Don't, don't get me wrong. I've not always <laughs> been quite this kind of confident. There were, have been many, many rabbit in headlights moments over the career. But I think, I think there's a couple of things in terms of what you tell your younger self. I think for me, there've been many a time where I've probably toned down my personality, you know, I'm quite a big personality a lot of the time. And there've been times where I've probably been quite unauthentic, which is quite a key, key topic that's talked about a lot in terms of the workplace. And I think what I've learned, the advice I would always give to anyone now is just, just be you, whoever you is, you know, and sometimes that would be the right fit. And if it's not, then you're not in the right company. There's a lot of value that you bring into the office every day by it's not always about your day job and what you do and the skills you do for that role. It's about you as a person and, and what value you bring in terms of your personality. So I think that that's really key for me. That that's definitely been a, a journey. That wasn't something I knew on day one. Um, you know, there've been times I've been kind of very quiet and subdued and actually the best results I've got is when I've just kind of forgotten all filters and just been myself. So I apologize because now that is just what you get every day. <laughs> but that's 16 years in the making. And I think that there is actually quite, um, a sweet story when I think of my being back to a graduate. So I was in London, I was a graduate consultant for one of the larger IT consultancies at the time. And I remember we were just, it was hot desking and it was the early noughties. And someone said about an email taking ages to open or something. A guy, I was sat with all guys, didn't know who they were, um, all different roles. And, um, and I just made some comment off the cuff, like very, as you do, self-deprecating like oh I was just talking about what I was doing I was like oh well I definitely haven't got any emails that are taking that long to to load I've not been sent anything that important just probably bringing a lot of attention to the fact that I was a graduate and at my age and you know it was really sweet because this guy who I didn't know I just got up for a coffee at one point and he just got up with me and he just had a word in my ear it's like oh you know I've got daughters your age and I would hate for them to be in a workplace and just kind of, you know, put, putting themselves down, so to speak. And, you know, I was a bit taken aback at the time, you know, I was so young and I was, you know, you just learn how to take a bit of feedback again, another learning journey, again, probably a different podcast, but 
you know, I, I now reflect on that conversation and I just see what he was trying to do. And he was actually being really supportive and trying to give me a little workplace life lesson that don't put yourself down because of your age and your role and, and where you are in your experience. Um, I thought that's quite a nice thing to reflect on is, yeah, just don't put yourself down based on where you are, what role you're doing and where you are in your career. Always know you're adding value for right where you are. Um, so many lessons. I get very passionate about these kind of things. Sorry. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I think being brave, make, being less afraid of making mistakes as well is a big one. Um, trying to be a bit more confident. I mean, it's easy to say it's very difficult to do. Um, it's something a lot of us have gone and learned with time and uh, experience um, and making mistakes, actually. So not being so afraid and um, kind of like just trying things uh, trying applying not being perfect it's fine if your cv again i'm talking about recruitment here but like if your profile is not 100 percent um the right fit for the role i mean the company might not be looking exactly for this or they might be thinking well we're probably going to open another role for this other team where this extra skill could be great and one very important thing i would like to highlight is also um and that piece of advice i would like to give to like anyone who's looking for a job or when they're kind of like junior and starting off um attitude is something that make a huge difference it's not just about the hard skills what you know because there's a lot of that that can be learned or taught and they can coach you they can mentor you your attitude can really make a big difference so if you show that you're willing to learn and if you're really motivated very passionate um, and if you really want to to do something like really show it and say it um, because that can be a little difference between a profile who's super willing to learn and really to put in the effort um, but who's missing a couple of things and then the other profile who already knows everything but who doesn't really know, have the attitude or who wouldn't really um, want to work with the team, for example. And if you're, I mean, don't underestimate soft skills. Um, the attitude can really make a difference in, in recruitment and in life in general. So make sure that you show that side of you as well because it's hard to show it on a piece of paper that will be your CV. Um, but it's something that's super important and we see that on a daily basis as well at work. Yeah, that's awesome. So you know, bring your entire self to the table, right? <laughs> That's the thing too, yeah. Um, what would you say is your most career-defining moment um, that you're really proud of? Yeah, that's a hard one. <laughs> <laughs> there, maybe there are many. There's well, so many. No, no, it's <laughs> <laughs> no, it's. I, I thought about this question and... Um, yeah, I, I find it a bit hard to kind of like, yeah, bang the drum about how awesome I am. So that's a really difficult <laughs> one. I think probably, um, I mean, I've, I have been involved in running lots of very large scale events, you know, tech events. And I think, you know, being, you know, helping to sort of facilitate bringing lots of people together to sort of learn and share skills and stories and connect people. I guess there's probably not one specific event, but you know, I've been involved in lots of tech events over the last, you know, couple of decades. So that in general. And then I think um, just before I came to Codurance, um, I was looking for a new um, sort of career opportunity. Um, and I think I was just, it's kind of like, re you know, realizing that you have, it's kind of having the confidence to know, to reach out to people. There's lots and lots of, um, you know, people that you've met over your career and lots of people are willing to, um, to you know, to help you on your next career path. Um, and, and so, yeah, I kind of reached out to a few people and then, um, I was in the fortunate position that I had sort of three job opportunities to, to choose from. And I think, um, it kind of made me realize that, yeah, 
you know, you're okay. You, you kind of probably know a bit more than you, you know, realize. And to again, just to have that confidence that, um, you know, I say that it's, I don't know whether that's a career defining moment, but it definitely made me realize that I should have more kind of, yeah, confidence in my ability. I, th- I think for me, I think you're right, Solange, it's, it's not one event. It's, it's a collection of many little events. It's every single day getting up and, and it's almost, I'd put a word against it in terms of perseverance. You know, we've spent a lot of time talking about some of the challenges we've had, um, you know, along the journey, the lessons we've learned, you know, all of those lessons come with time. And sometimes there's a steep learning curve attached and it's, it's being dedicated to the cause, dedicated to a career that you love in tech, dedicated to your own self-development, um, dedicated to getting that IT system live when it's a really tough project. And, you know, it's tough, you know, you're putting in the hours and it it looks like every which way you look, there's something going wrong. And it's the perseverance of you as an individual and and working with the team to get through to the other side. And you always do. and, And you always feel totally exhilarated as a result, which is why we stay addicted to working in tech, because it's, it is almost like a bit of an adrenaline and roller coaster a lot of the times when you, you you've got these you know projects that you you're putting live and what have you so for me it's just the perseverance of every day but I mean I I am really passionate about I love the career that I've had and whenever I get the opportunity to work with other people and maybe help them find a career in tech or help them on their journey I've always been quite active in the apprenticeship and the graduate space for a lot of companies I've worked in and you know and even and I when you get that feedback you don't see someone you, I left the company and I met up with someone that I put on the apprentice scheme as a QA at Vodafone and I met with her and I was I was so excited for her. I was like your career is going to go like this and this and this is a great opportunity, you know, and I, I caught up with her at some leaving drinks for someone a few years later. And she was like, do you know what? You were absolutely right. I've loved every minute. I feel totally blessed with the career I've got. And, you know, she was looking, she was talking about the new role and the different company she's moving on to. And her career was going from strength to strength. And, you know, when you hear stories like that and you get a bit of feedback that your kind of encouragement has helped someone find the career that they love that that's kind of all you need to hear sometimes and even reflecting back to my my troublesome team sometimes when I started that kind of more management role in tech you know we 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 persevered as a team for many years and there was many a time I got some feedback when we turned a corner and they were like thank you for not giving us on our I feel you know people in the team felt they two had developed uh, personally and grown in their career because we worked out and I didn't give them up as a team like many other managers had. So yeah, it's just sometimes for me, it's getting the feedback that the time you've spent with an individual or with the team has, has helped them move their career forward because that is really, really important for me as an individual. So yeah, maybe they're the moments that I'd reflect on the most. I'm trying to think as well, uh, and again, I'm, I'm revealing what you just said, but I don't think there was one specific moment um, for me. I think it's been a, like a, there have been a lot of different moments that I would think back and say, okay, this was definitely um, very important and, and kind of participated to get me where I am right now. Um, I think speaking with people, so from outside the tech industry, there are lots of like stereotypes about developers and like what the tech industry is like. 
And so kind of like getting in there and seeing what it's like in real life um, and speaking to so many people, I find that so many developers are so passionate about what they do. And they tell me about like how they got into tech and how they got into coding. And it's always, oh, when I was a kid, I started with a super old computer and then I, I took it apart and I built it up again. And then I looked in software or through games. I mean, video games, so many people got into programming because of video games. And it's always amazing to hear all those stories. And um, and I find that one thing uh, that I've seen a lot like in, in the tech uh, world, let's say, is that there's a lot of help. There's so many communities and groups um, where people share tips and tricks and solutions and bug fixes and everything, sharing their code. And um, and I mean, the typical thing of like, okay, you're a developer and you're stuck. What do you do? Well, you Google it because someone has <laughs> had that problem before. And um, it's something that I really like about um, the tech world because it's something that's evolving all the time so fast, um, new technologies all the time and, and new tools, new platforms um, and new companies as well. So it's really this kind of um, mentality that I really like about people being super passionate and loving what they do um, and then really helping each other as well, no matter where they are, let's say. Um, and I think it's something that's really nice. And, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. Um, so before we conclude, um, let's say, what advice would you give me you know, um, in terms of, we talked about representation, uh, what would you recommend someone like me who is in a tech role to do uh, so to encourage more people, um, more women in this, you know, in this role? We talked about school, going to primary school, getting more involved in those um uh, being more visible, probably. Um, so where where can I start? I mean, I can't just show up to a school and be like, hey, hi. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you probably could and they'd be delighted. They really would. There's, um, yeah, I, I mean, there's just so, so much you can do. Um, I think, um, yeah, just speaking at events um speaking in schools definitely would be amazing um there's a, a lot of um sort of discussion at the moment around allyship so being a great ally to to other women and helping each other up and helping them um you know grow their profile um but obviously Solange says you have a really busy day job so <laughs> There's only so much that, you know, you as, as an individual can do. But I guess if everybody, um, you know, the, the more people have, you know, are brave and, and get out and start speaking, that you're given the support to be able to do that. Because it is, you know, you do have a very important, busy kind of day job. And I guess, you know, for for our company to support you to do that, you know, it's making sure that you, if that's something you would like to do, um, that you're given you know, the opportunities, um, yeah, to, to, to go out and, and inspire that, that next generation. But there's there's plenty of events where they're looking always, you know, panel discussions and workshops and um, all sorts of places, um, blog, you know, just you know, blogs and podcasts where they would love to speak to people that have had an interesting career in tech and, and in, you know, as I say, to sort of inspire that next generation, that the more it happens and it becomes normal and, People, you know, you know, young girls and young women will have more chance of seeing the person who does look like them, and that might inspire more people to consider a career in tech could be for them. 
Yeah, I think you've summed it up quite well, Sloan, when you just said about that being visible. So it's, you know, you can only inspire people by what they, they can see. So, yeah, if we all play a part, uh, to Natalie's point, there's so much going on there. And it's about, yeah, finding the right thing for you as a person and your own kind of work-life balance in terms of where you can give back. But there's so many great schemes, even around mentoring, scheme, voluntary mentoring scheme, mentoring people. Um you know, within different communities, supporting key events. So there's lots of organizations that are doing great things in that school leave rage, that college space. And we've mentioned that's probably a key space to, to get involved with. So it's just reaching out and seeing what organizations there are and then finding the right one that talks to you as a person in terms of where they're plugged into and what community and and how you know for your time how you can support them but there there's so much going on but I think yeah like that if we all play a part I'm immensely passionate but my time is limited like all of ours is so it's you know, I just want to do as much as that I can do to show people there are non very technical roles in tech. You can still get a career in tech. It's something I'm immensely passionate about, but you don't have to be a developer to work in tech. So yeah, it's just about finding the right organizations to see how you can volunteer some of your time to help people understand a bit more and for them to make their own mind up, whether it's, it's a good career place for them. Um, but yeah, lots going on. I think it's about talking about it and like even I mean I know we want to try and have an impact on a global scale but starting local like talking to your kids if you have some to your neighbor's children to your cousins and your nephews and like starting like very young like telling them about what you do and you know kids are like very um they love to dream and like they love stories so if you tell them something that sounds kind of cool it'll really be inspiring for them and it might stick and they'll remember oh I remember when Solange told me about this thing and that really Spark my curiosity, or and then I wanted to find out more, or um, you know, like, and that is it's so easy, easy as well to have access to those little games, or like online, you can find so many resources, let's say, to kind of like introduce them to the world of technology. So, talking about it and not, I mean, we do want to have an impact on a larger scale, but starting small as well. Um, and I'm just thinking there was a post on, on a page that I follow on LinkedIn, and they were talking, it was a woman talking about her child. Uh, her daughter asking uh, saying that she wanted to be an astronaut or something and so the mother was like okay well you have to go to school and study very hard and then you have to do this and that and then the little girl was like okay that's only three things I can do that I don't know if you read it or if you remember I can't remember exactly what the words were but the idea was like okay as a kid like they didn't really see as many obstacles or they didn't think about everything else that it involves it's like oh three things I can totally do that and um I'd like everyone to kind of like think like that and with little stories and little funny things and, and detail that maybe not aren't so important for us and um, they can make a big difference for, difference for children and I mean I'm looking at this like starting very early talking to them because they're the generation that will be coming next and we still have a bit of time to start moving things before they arrive but preparing them as well so that they can actually have a role to play in there um, as soon as they're in age let's say to have an impact um, awesome yeah So um, to conclude our discussion, question that's absolutely not related to work at all. <laughs> what are your uh, favorite activities outside of work? What do you do to relax? Well, when you've got kids, it's hard to, to, to relax, I would say. 
So uh, I've got, yeah, I've got a nine-year-old daughter and a 14-year-old son. So, um, yeah, they keep me pretty busy. And I've got a three-year-old cockapoo as well, dog. So um, go out walking a lot, cycling a lot. Um, yeah, generally, generally walking and walking, cycling and uh, camping, general family type activities, I would say. For me, yeah, similar in terms of rediscovered cycling, like so many people during lockdown. That was my little gift of free time. So we dusted off the bike and I've really enjoyed that and I've carried that through, uh, even kind of post the, the midst of the strongest lockdown and um, up until probably a week or so ago. And now it's just getting too dark in the evening. So that's been something nice to rediscover this year. Um I was training. I, I used to run a lot and then I've kind of fallen out of love with it a little bit. But I was training for a 10K, which got cancelled. Uh, and I got back up to the 10K mark. I was really impressed. And it was March. And everyone's like, is it going to be on? Is it not going to be on? And it got cancelled at 2 a.m. on the morning of the run, um, which was a Sunday because of COVID. Because, yeah, it was proper to the wire. And uh, I'm, I, I think I've just not actually done 10K since, since that point of training. But just, generally just keeping active is what I will try and do in my free time. But like Natalie, with two young kids, a lot of the weekends is, is busy with different things um but i enjoy kind of yoga and meditation and and just kind of trying to probably just be a bit more calm and zen when time allows um but that that that's all me and my happy places i'm rediscovering horse riding as well it's um it's interesting i thought i could ride and then i've gone to a new stables and they've basically told me i can't so i feel like i'm eight years old again and we go back to basics but there we go we're always learning so to speak <laughs> yeah i think for me learning is a big one i love reading and learning about lots of different topics whether it's biology or technology and, and a bit of programming even um so i really like learning and uh, we do spend a lot of time in front of a screen uh with my computers so i like to like outdoors acti outdoor activities and um trying to work out as well going for runs or lots of kinds of exercising let's say um and yeah, there's so many things that we can do that. I mean, I don't have any children, so I have maybe more time than, than you ladies here, but um, yeah, I find lots of ways to keep busy. And I also have a pet rat, uh, so I'm trying to train it and learn a lot about that. <laughs> Some people don't really like them, so we can maybe cut that out. But um, yeah, keeping busy, there's lots of things to do. Oh, thank you very much for... Um joining me on this um, Women Tech episode two, uh, the Kuturin's Talks. Um, yeah, if, um, do you have anything else you'd like to add to our discussion? Some recommendation you'd like to make? Anything? I think I would just say, just don't, you know, if, if you, it's not anybody, you know, it's everybody's um, kind of problem, sort of trying to redress the, the, the huge imbalance in um in women in tech in general. So, you know, I think we all have a, I don't know if it's a responsibility, but I definitely think if everybody could do a little something small, then all those little small things added together would make a massive difference. So if you do have any amount of time, if it's only like once a month or once every quarter or whatever you've got available, just, you know, to, to be able to go to an event or, 
you know, contribute some time, volunteer, as Amelia was saying, you know, be a mentor or look for a mentor. You know, everybody can do something small and all those little things, as I say, added together can can definitely make a massive, massive difference. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I, you know, I support everything Natalie said and there's an element of just us having discussions like this and, and you know, coming together as a community. It's just, it's really nice to bring attention to it and to kind of take the time to reflect and to see how we can all help and play a part. So it's just nice to be having the discussion. And thank you, Solange, for hosting. So I really appreciate that. And it's, I've heard some really great things this evening. So I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. It was an absolutely lovely conversation. Thanks a lot for organizing it and, and hosting it, yes. And um, I think, as we said earlier on in the conversation, it's really something that's it's everybody's problem kind of thing. So talking about it, um, some guys like the CEO from that company, he hadn't realized, he hadn't even thought about what it was like on the other side or about different um, perspectives, let's say. So kind of like talking about it so that people kind of think differently as well um, and everyone can get involved. I mean, if you have children or if you're just talking to friends and things like this, telling them about what you've seen or what you like about your company um, and maybe inspiring others to launch initiatives in their own companies as well and raising awareness in general. Thank you very much for uh, this discussion. Um, I hope we can have many more like this. Um, yeah, so this is uh, this brings us to the end of our um, episode tonight. Um, thank you very much and um, we we'll talk to you on the next one. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye-bye.